Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is my friends. It's the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is our News and Cues episodes. Uh, episodes? I guess we're doing two in one. This is our episode singular, but we're going to talk about multiple news and multiple cues. Multiples all around. This is the 294th episode of the main show, the Superstar Destroyer of our fleet. And I wanted to shout out quickly before we get into a lot of business, Joseph, our listener, Simon Huffnagel, who is in our Discord. He's a Patreon supporter and uh, uh, has gotten some great questions in. 
there is uh, a long people, a lot of people know a switch. When we switched to anchor, which has uh, been a great move for us, uh, we, uh, some happened. And a lot of our older episodes are broken, like 20 minutes in they'll cut off. And I've been slowly hunting and pecking, going back, trying to replace them. Simon created a Google doc of all of our episodes, nearly a thousand. We're coming up on 900 total episodes. Simon categorized all of them and let me know if it was broken or not. And I'm slowly but now more surely replacing our episodes. Joseph, you and I, sir, have been doing this a long time now. We've been doing this a very long time. We've been uh, revisiting certain subjects that we discussed early in our run, and then it's relevant to discuss them again. And it's it's fascinating to uh, hear our evolution and the evolution of Star Wars, because uh, we really started with The Force Awakens being right around the corner. So things have changed, things have evolved, and it's great to be able to have that record of it here on Force Center. And yeah. man, that's so super cool uh, of Simon uh, to do that. It obviously has extreme practical value uh, mm-hmm. to go back and be able to find which episodes are broken. But there's also something that just uh, I find it beautiful and poetic that uh, a listener was able to provide us our broken list. <laughs> like, ah. Here's here's where you need here's where you need some help. <laughs> you need some help. Oh, dear God. It was great. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's fun to revisit, fun to, not just the growth of the show or the, the, the technological advancements we've made, the sound quality changes we've made, but also just uh, how we've uh, look at, looked at Star Wars differently, even though the, the core has always been the same. The times around Star Wars definitely change. Simpler times, maybe, but also uh, I'm glad where we are now with Star Wars fans. So fun to look back. And thank you all for listening and maybe going back. And we'll start tweeting out some uh, classic episodes if you want to check them out. Yeah, sounds great. Classic episodes are great indeed. All right. Uh, we are going to get into the news. We're going to get into the cues. But before we do that, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And we have another offer, and that is from Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. They are offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. You can get that discount by entering the coupon code on their website, FC35, or you can visit the website with this link. You can go to InsideEditions.com, then a nice slash, then the word discount, another nice slash, and then that code FC35, and that will get you 35% off. There's a bunch of different Star Wars books. I did a little bit of a deep dive looking at some of the ones that I didn't have, and one of the ones that I don't have that I want to have, and I think everybody should want to have, that we're recommending this week is the Star Wars The Poster Collection. I love Star Wars posters. I know fans do. We've had some great questions about which is your favorite and why, and one of the reasons I love them, particularly the early ones, is just to see the evolution of the idea of Star Wars from a marketing perspective. Like it's clear from a marketing perspective, like, oh, you're, it's a sci-fi movie, right? No, oh no, it's a, it's a fantasy movie, right? Uh, it, the, the guy's got a big bare muscular chest, right? And you just see the evolution of ideas and it's just not only great art, but great evolution in that book. Oh, that's great. I'm going to have to grab that one. Maybe I'll use our own promo code to pick up Star Wars <laughs> poster collection. That's exactly. Awesome. Uh, that's that's uh, I'm, I I admit I am choking on my own water this morning. That's why you're here. <laughs> I got to take a breath and slow down. Been kind of a crazy morning, uh, including uh, our dog Baxter had another seizure, which is all fine. It's it, it's he has and we can get some medication, but it's uh, and I've dealt with 
a thousand Caesars, Caesars, uh, Caesar, Caesar, uh, or the Ides of March and uh, seizures in my, uh, my old career. So it's, it's okay, but it, uh, it created a hectic morning. So I need to channel the force. Star Wars or Life Adventures begins, Joseph, with me just taking a breath like Qui-Gon. Just yeah, no, that's great. Go to your knee, consider the laser gate, whatever you need to do. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, sir, did you have any Star Wars adventures uh, and or life adventures? Yeah, no, I had a couple of uh, good, uh, very small Star Wars adventures, but uh, very fun and meaningful. Uh, every year, my wife and I put, uh, we decorate our calendars, usually on January 1st or January 2nd, because I still like having a physical uh, day mm-hmm. calendar. Um or a monthly calendar, and uh, this month I've been putting a sticker on every month, so as we're recording February 1st, I put a nice little Grogu sticker on oh. February 1st, uh, and little Grogu is going to be staring at me all month, and that'll make me very happy. Uh, my other kind of combo life Star Wars adventure is um, uh, this week I managed to finish a first draft of something I've been wrestling with for a little while, so it's always a like to make a, a a moment to mark that when I finish a first draft and often I buy myself an action figure, but an action figure that was sent to us by a listener arrived on that day. So it was oh. perfect. So I was able to open the action figure and Ken, I believe uh, Will Dixon sent it yeah. to us. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Huge. Thanks uh, to Will. I have been building of late my weird Obi-Wan uh, collection. And this is perhaps one of the weirdest Obi-Wan's, this action figure is trying to be Obi-Wan fighting General Grievous slash being attacked in the beginning of Order 66, all just uh, piled into one action figure. So he comes with uh, Grievous's uh, electro staff. He comes with Grievous's blaster. The image on the card is a very cool image of Kenobi with the blaster. But then they also wanted to get in the, oh, he fell into the pool of water after Order 66. So his hair is slicked back and wet and he comes with a little aqua breather that you can put in his mouth, which I'm sure looks really cool when it's in his mouth. But when the figure is just in the bubble, Obi-Wan just has wet hair and his mouth is open for (laughs) no discernible reason. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's all. I love it so much. It's on my coffee table. It's it's looking at me uh, every time I eat and watch television. I showed it to my wife and she was like, is his mouth open? <laughs> and uh, then she saw the aqua breather and it all made sense. So, uh, so that was great. Um, yeah. And then uh, there were the Schmodown, uh, the movie trivia Schmodown that you, of course, have been uh, very much involved in, Ken, and I have uh, competed in. Uh, had their big draft on Friday, and I was drafted. So I, I think we'll see. Uh, everything always in motion as a future. I will be doing some fun Star Wars trivia in the future as well. Keyword fun. Keyword fun. Have fun. Oh, yes. It's always fun. It's got to be fun or I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. It needs to be more fun. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I, I, I was kind of had one eye on the draft, and I, uh, I saw you get drafted and went, well, there you go. I hope he has fun. <laughs> well, it was very nice, and I have no doubt it will be fun. It's always fun uh, when you compete uh, in the Star Wars trivia. It is also just the game. The game has gotten to a level that it can't be like, oh, yeah, uh, I know Star Wars. It, it's a, wait a minute, yeah. which preposition did Obi-Wan use in that sentence in Attack of the Clones? It's getting to that level. It is, it is, and a lot of Star Wars players were drafted in it, so 
Uh, we'll see. It's going to be intense uh, there. That's that's definitely a Star Wars adventure. Definitely that's a Star, a Star Wars, Wars adventure of the future. But uh, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, fans uh, of the Schmo down their excitement. I really appreciate uh, being drafted uh, by a faction that everybody really loves. Uh, or uh, everybody, yes, uh, very successful faction. Uh, I'm always nervous about the way I talk about Schmo down because I follow. <laughs> It pretty closely, <laughs> uh, but not as closely as some fans. But I was honored uh, to be drafted by corruption. There you go. There you go. Sweeping the nation, that uh, that thing. Um, Will Dixon was busy because Will Dixon, Joseph. I, oh, I, I don't want to cut you off. Sorry. Did you oh, no, me? no, that's it. I'm, I'm done. That's the, I got three adventures. That's plenty. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of. I was like, maybe there was a, was there a frozen pizza adventure that just. <laughs> no, there isn't. Damn it. I gotta, gotta, I gotta leave room for that. Um, Will Dixon's been wonderfully busy. He, uh, we, we're always so thankful uh, when uh, a lot of you reach out and send us uh, some uh, um, uh, gifts or there's something we'll mention on the show. And it's kind of like what George Harrison said: "I like jelly beans," and everyone threw jelly beans at him at the stage for most of the Beatles tours until they stopped. Um, it's wonderful. Will Dixon uh, got you that Obi Wan, and he got me the Tally Lintra uh, A Wing uh, set. Mm. So I have it. Amazing. And I, you know, I try, I usually don't have a lot of room to display things. I know you struggle with that too, Joseph. And uh, I was like, Oh, this might go into storage, but then I don't know. I might just open it up. I don't know. We'll see. We'll I see. Think, I think you got to How can tally not be in that cockpit? Oh, yeah. Keep tally locked away. Come on. Uh, also, Will in our Discord posted he for his eleven year old son's birthday created his own. Uh, uh, Will has a like a martial arts kind of school uh, for training and everything, and he created for his son a Jedi Temple Challenge um, course. <laughs> then got Ahmed Best via cameo to uh, give his son a greeting, but also give him like the 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 Jedi Temple Challenge speech, and he oh, posted. Wow! And it's uh, it's fun. I, I watched it and. Uh, a lot of lightsaber fighting and force jumps and all these kind of things. And I got to tell you, I was like, I ah, sign me up. I'll head over there. I might want to. And if I can get Ahmed best to give me a good wish, like uh, I love it. Ahmed was so good. You know, cameo is an interesting thing and, uh, and, and, and it lets you kind of connect in a way. And, and he just went all in on it. And I was thinking, I had these two thoughts, Joseph, this is my star Wars adventures for the week. Um, well, I had another one. Um, <laughs> Star Wars doesn't deserve Ahmed Best. And I thought, no, 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 no. Star Wars does deserve Ahmed Best. We deserve someone like him because Star Wars deserves good people in it and around it and part of it. And I'm so happy 20 years on Ahmed Best is front and center in a lot of ways for a lot of people. That made me feel good. So, Will, thank you for making me feel good about Star Wars watching uh, that little video you posted. Uh, I think that's a great sentiment. And I think maybe that's a another tool for when uh, people feel a, a little bit worn down by some of the, the negativity that can sometimes infect the uh, Star Wars discussion of, look at Ahmed Best, right? Look at, the, how, you can't really imagine much more negativity than Jar Jar Binks got back in the day. Uh, and now look at how uh, deservedly beloved he is. That's a great uh, bit of, positivity to focus on yeah and that's the other part of my adventures that's why i didn't want to cut that off there i uh had youtube on i was watching clone wars doing our notes for this week and then i switched over to youtube and you know the uh, youtube uh suddenly is like would you like to watch this and you're like yes i would oh my god Not, most of the time you're like not interested uh, <laughs> but it was uh someone had loaded up the uh the documentary the beginning the, the phantom menace doc which pff, you know we've talked about a lot here. i just love it it's so good 
And I did the thing. I, I had about 10 minutes left of work to do. You know that feeling, Joseph. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm put this on. I'm about to wrap up and go make some dinner and maybe just relax. I ended up watching almost all the thing. It's like over an hour because that's, <laughs> that's just how much I love it. But then I started to focus on Rick McCallum. <laughs> and, you know, there's one part he talks about. He's talking to you. And, and that's the whole, you know, he, he chomps his gum and drops F-bombs and, and all that stuff. Uh, and I just love that. You know, I'm gonna say he's a good or bad guy. Just he's a producer, and he just has that. He's like in a meeting. He's like, "Oh, I got, I got to go take the call." And then he picks up the call, and he's like, "Hey, dude, what's up?" Like, I'm just <laughs> I love this dude, and he's such a character. But I, he says, "Yeah, I just talked to Liam in Prague, right?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." So I was like, "What's?" I know Rick reti- retired from Lucasfilm 2012, right when the sale happened, and, and like, what's he doing now? He moved to Prague, and he has a production company there. <laughs> He's over there working at Prague. And I was like, well, that's so hilarious. And he must have like went and met Liam in Prague and was like, you know, this is great. I'm going to chomp my gum and stay here one day. This is wonderful. That is great. What is he make? Is he making like uh, taking knockoffs in Prague? <laughs> Doing a bunch of films that are kind of uh, released over there. Uh, I was, I was going to call them foreign films, but that wouldn't, they wouldn't be foreign over there. Uh, <laughs> they were making films and, and uh, just hanging out, doing his thing, doing his Rick McCallum thing. I bet he's still chomping gum and, and I just love it. I just love it. It's one of those behind the scenes heroes, uh, just, uh, him just, uh, you know, saying when they're looking for Liam's wig in the, after the sandstorm, check, check Algeria over. And he laughs out of his own joke. I'm like, I just, I just, these are part, that's part of Star Wars lore to me now. Rick McCallum and his F-bombs, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he obviously contributed massively to to Star Wars with having that real, like, whatever you want, George, we'll find a way, uh, yep. which is, that's what a producer, you know, does. Uh, but also, like, he is this perfect bridge between, like, the stereotype of the cigar-chomping producer who slams their, you know, desk and says, make it happen. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, the 90s, 2000s, and he's still a, what, what the F? We're going to make this happen. What? Yeah, so great. That's awesome. Yeah, so anyways, that was my stories and life adventures. I always, I say it a lot. I say it a lot. Joseph, Joseph and I have been, we're approaching a thousand episodes, like we just said. We've been doing this for so long. It, it, we, we put a lot of time and effort and notes, and a lot of our Star Wars adventures are because of the show. And then when you least expect it, while you're making Clone Wars notes and doing your quote job, which it is a job for us, suddenly I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan again, watching Phantom Menace talk. <laughs> seeing Ahmed, seeing young Ahmed, and knowing where he is now, and knowing the, the horrible journey at times, and how he stuck through, and here he is now. Uh, it's inspiring, and and I, I choose to celebrate. Now, Joseph, you do as well. We choose to celebrate that part of the Star Wars community. So, yeah, there you go. Exactly, some great Star Wars adventures. Uh, thanks again uh, to Will Dixon for those great, uh, inspiring figures, and Simon Huffnagel for uh, letting us know where we're broken. <laughs> where we're broken. On that note, let's get to the Star Wars news, which is about to break my bank. I think. Nothing, uh, nothing uh, salacious or sexy this week in the headlines. Just toys, toys, and life day, Joseph. Here we go. Lucasfilm 50th anniversary figures are coming. And shout out to our buddy, Mike Black. A lot of you know and remember Mike Black here in Force Center. We'll get him on here very soon for some other things. Mike Black is kind of our unofficial toy expert around the Force uh, Center uh, spots. Uh, he... Um, he was texting you and I and some other people on a chain. And it's always weird when you get a number you don't know. You're like, who am I responding back to? <laughs> um, a lot of these figures come in. A lot of you saw them here. It's uh, Hasbro announced these are part of their Fan First Friday. New figures, like I said, coming around spring 2021. Several re-released six-inch favorites. 
Battle Droid, Jar Jar Binks, Mace Windu, or as I put in my notes, Mace Window, uh, <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn, not quite Mace Windy, Qui-Gon Jinn. And then uh, I'm just going to list these and we'll dive in here, Joseph. Three and three quarter line, Joseph Perks up. This is from 1996, ATSD Driver, uh, Combat Poncho Leia, Poplu, Vintage Collection. Uh, collection is getting Ahsoka Tano and Maul from Season 7 of Clone Wars. Black Series is getting the Elite Squad Trooper from the Bad Batch, something we haven't really even seen yet. Black Series is getting six-inch figures with Kenner paint jobs. Get out of here. Greedo Jawa and Obi-Wan in that orange brown color robe of beautiful <laughs> beautiful uh more on the way like orsing our friend van william just perked up tech from uh bad batch and Cosca reeves um, uh mercedes Ver- vernado uh her character uh from uh the mandalorian of course uh sasha banks known around the world so joseph let's just freeform this man what's your favorites what's your must-haves and how much are you willing to pay for that obi-wan <laughs> yeah, this is it, this is so fun that it's a toy announcement, a toy drop, but all under this sort of Lucasfilm 50th anniversary. Yeah. So that even adds to it that all of these uh, packaging looks like they have the Lucasfilm uh, 50th. So that in itself, like I want at least one of these to sort of commemorate uh, that they did this line of the 50th anniversary, not of any particular film, but of the company itself. Uh, the ones that grab my eye, is the, this Mace Windu, not mm. windy or window. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be cruel if the character's name actually had been Mace Window and then he got thrown out of one and died? <laughs> With George, at one point, I wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was like Mace Window Faller. Like, <laughs> yep. Sometimes, sometimes you do have a you know character noun verber, and that would be it. Mace Window Faller. Uh, yeah, but this this is just a damn good mace. I mean, obviously the Black Series is always really good, but I feel like the Black Series is just getting getting really great uh, with the sculpts of the actors, uh, of the humans. Um, and I was really affected uh, by seeing the episode one card, because this is one of those Black Series, right, where they put it on the card, not in the box. Yeah. Uh, and I so deeply love the vintage collection because it is the original from uh, our childhood era, Ken Kenner. But now, you know, we're, we're getting past 20 years on episode one that this is a different kind of vintage card. That's true. So just oh, seeing wow. that and then having this powerful memory of seeing uh, this Mace Windu card uh, with the empty space where I believe the Comtech chip went. <laughs> yes. And seeing this great Mace Finger figure in on this card with the purple lightsaber. Because remember back in the day in Phantom Menace, he didn't actually have a purple lightsaber. He came, I believe, with the blue one and Kiati Mundi had a purple one because Ooh. they didn't know. And they were just throwing out colors. <laughs> Love that. That's a good pull. Yeah. So I'm very excited for Mace. He is high up on the potential buy list. Um, no, I got to tell you. Yeah, tell you. go for it. Now you made me slightly disappointed that there isn't a contact chip. <laughs> it should just come with just a, I don't know, like a little, I don't know, hard drive or something that you could just, or just a button to just hear Mace Windu say, yeah. no, <laughs> <laughs> you will not be trained. No. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got some others, but I don't want to hog the mic. Who, who are you excited for? Never a hog, never a hog. Um, Man, I got to tell you, I, I mean, Denla, I love Aura Singh, so uh, I, I might be grabbing that as well. I, I do love the Kenner painting, the paint jobs. It just, 
it's so awesome because it just takes you back, takes us back for our generation and, and a lot of collectors of any generation. But also, it also reminds me it was so bad. <laughs> I just didn't know it in the 80s. Like, it's Obi-Wan. Not really. <laughs> but I, I love it. Yeah, this might be, I know I always say this, but this might be one of the weirdest collections of figures because this Obi-Wan, yeah, it's got the vintage card, so it has the utter weirdness from the original card of the yellow-green saber. Yeah. yeah. You know, because just uh, things were just wild back in the day. Uh, and then it has, you know, it's a Black Series figure, so it has perhaps one of the greatest sculpts of Alec Guinness Obi-Wan Kenobi ever created truly breathtakingly amazingly great and then for nostalgia <laughs> this weird you know goony vinyl cape and uh yeah. and then yet the rest of his capes are like really well detailed plastic he's got a hook on his belt it looks like for the lightsaber hilt the lightsaber itself looks absolutely amazing so he's just this you know i i have certain things that uh that i see in our life in our culture that are so layered with meaning and for like you and I and our listeners who are all in on star Wars and toys, we can look at it and, and decipher that meaning. And sometimes I see something that imagine taking a step back and having to explain the layers of meaning. Like if you just had to start with star Wars, then the concept of action figures, how far down with layers of meaning would you have to go to explain this Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure? Explain it to the kids of today what the toys were like in the yesteryear. Yeah, but I think I might have to get this one because it is just so bizarre, and I like my bizarre Obi Wan collection. Yeah, for, as an Obi Wan fan like you are, like that one, you need to frame it and put like spotlights on it. <laughs> uh, for me, I got to tell you that of all of them, like I said uh, are seeing all those kind of uh, you know all of them look great. I have been waiting. I've mentioned it. I always talk every week. I'm staring at my. Leia three and three quarter wall where uh, I have a cork board and not a lot of room on it anymore, but I have uh, Leia from Rebels, which is like a teenage Leia. I have uh, or, or 16 year old Leia. I have New Hope Leia uh, put in the metal and then I have Hoth Leia and then I go to Last Jedi, which also say Rise of Skywalker Leia. I've been missing a Return of the Jedi three and three quarter Leia and now here they got it. Combat Poncho Leia, my all time favorite figure, I believe. I love that figure. I love kind of the term combat poncho. I say it all the time because I love it. And it's it's coming my way. I'll be able to complete my wall, Joseph. I'll complete my Leia wall. And that's a good day. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, always a great look for Leia, great design uh, for her costume in that film, uh, great character moments with Leia. Uh, it's always a, a beloved action figure in the original line. I remember being excited to buy her in the Power of the Force 2 line in the 90s. Now, this one is, if this is the package, as it turns out to be, a weird choice where the helmet that you can take off her head, which is great, is packaged, has like a little extra bubble on top of the main bubble. So it almost looks like the helmet is like in an old cartoon when a character would get an idea and there'd be a light bulb above their head. <laughs> Ding! 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 The Ewoks can help us. Exactly. Ding! I guess I'll try on that uh, ceremonial dress that the Ewoks have. Sure, why not? Yeah, I'm gonna grab that. Yeah, Paplu too. I mean, I, I yeah, Paplu, Paplu, Paplu. Yeah, uh, great, great uh, Ewok. Uh, I'm also just really excited about the continuation of the mm, kind of straightforward uh, vintage line because the vintage line, you know, is the mm -hmm. the standard bear now for three and three quarter. 
Um, so great to see Ahsoka and Maul, and that's a it's a really different Maul character with the yeah. that exact look. Um, with those exact legs, he goes through them fast. <laughs> Changes out in a great Ahsoka with those uh those blue blades. So I'm excited for both of those too. I am excited indeed. Toys part of the Star Wars life, and a lot coming your way. In spring of 2021 also coming our way in september i'll see you in september life day will be in focus in the upcoming book life day treasury uh kevin scott's involved grant griffin doing the art uh this is going to be several stories with life day as the backdrop and this includes uh stellan geos or is it geos there's been some weird different ways to say names in high republic um markion row is how you say it but i i think stellan geos might be wrong do you know have you heard uh, i have not heard i heard the, i saw the very clear it's markion which was great because i was saying marchion in my head uh but i have not heard the definitive geos geos well stellan from the high republic good old stellan <laughs> well, I first name basis with stellan story with him and ooh. This one, a great art. They showed it. Uh, Ewoks in the Snow is how Kevin Scott pitched it. And it is, uh, I think, uh, is it uh, low gray? I can't, I, I, I have to dig up, dig up the picture. I, I deleted the uh, link here. Uh, uh, but it's Wicket and Princess Nisa. I'm so excited for this one. So, so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. This is part of the, what I'm calling kind of the growing Star Wars folklore universe with the books like Myths and Fables and Dark Legends. Uh, this is all coming, like I said, from Disney Lucasfilm Press, September 7th, 2021 is the schedule. So uh, let's start here, Joseph. What do you think about this idea, Life Day being at the center? And how does Star Wars folklore grab you? Yeah, I think this is a, an idea that I am so happy is finally being realized. Because I think it's something that has been, that uh, that Star Wars has needed for a long time, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's Kevin Scott. Uh, sounds like he pitched it, and then George Mann, who wrote those the myths and fables in the in the dark one, uh, mm -hmm. which are both on my. I really want to read them, but I'm having a hard time, you know, uh, making time for them. Uh, so maybe at some point we'll have to do an episode so we're forced to read those, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to make time for those. Uh, just because it's again having nothing to do with desire, having to do with juggling uh, time. I love the idea of myths and fables within Star Wars. But the way I was interpreting this, what, what Gavin Scott pitched is, hey, look, Life Day's fun. We make jokes about it. We can write stories to flesh it out a little bit as a, as a legitimate holiday. But there are, you know, millions, billions of cultures in Star Wars, and they would have traditions that sum up some of the same kind of ideas that our various uh, mid-year, mid-winter holidays sum up so the way i'm interpreting this book is it it will be you know canon or canon adjacent stories about characters embracing myth mm. in that all holidays are you know a, a form of myth right, right, uh, right or right. a form of belief uh so that's what's really exciting me about this is that idea that we get to see character like i think george mann's books are here are stories that are told within the star wars galaxy but looking at this picture of Stellan, our buddy Stellan, uh, first name Stellan, uh, perched on maybe Coruscant, uh, I don't know if they clarify, some cityscape mm -hmm. peering out of like a Jedi going about his business, but there's a holiday going on. And does he celebrate? Does he have feelings about it? Does his schedule have to change? Because 
<laughs> you know, the yeah. Jedi Council doesn't meet on that day. You know, mm. all mm. those ideas of how it's just such a great way to flesh out cultural beliefs in Star Wars and which ones are shared across multiple planets. Is this a, a holiday of the Republic or like probably Endor? That's just like, that's the Ewoks holiday and probably the rest of the galaxy is not particularly familiar with it. Uh, that stuff's all fascinating to me and I just absolutely adore uh, Kevin Scott's uh, quote is that winter festivals are all about hope in the darkest times, but being surrounded by family and friends. What is more Star Wars than that? Um, that yeah. means a lot to me because I, I like that view of star wars that it is always kind of the hope in the dark time as we meet characters in conflict who are striving to be them their best selves and to resolve the conflict but that's what i've just come to love about in the real world about holiday time um i wrote a story a while back like in 2012 for a weird concert i did uh where it was mostly holiday music and then they wanted a story and i had been having incredibly busy stressful holidays doing a bunch of shows and then you know relatively recently married so i was getting to the point of like we have five family events to go to and i was like why why do i hate this because i love this holiday season and i just kind of had this epiphany that what's valuable to me about it is all of the traditions that go back to this is a time to slow down turn off all the lights but whatever holiday lights are twinkling in your home if you enjoy uh, to imbibe, maybe have a little sip of something and just reflect and just having that moment of like literal light in the darkness, yeah. calm in the storm, you know, hope in the middle of the winter. That to me is what is magical about uh, our kind of cultural midwinter holidays, regardless of what the specificity of them are, just yeah. the kind of general holiday season. That's what's powerful to me about it. And I love that they're going to be exploring that and expressing that um, through yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Beautiful. Now I want some eggnog in a roast and fire. <laughs> um, I did sit around a fire pit last night and maybe, maybe I'm feeling, you're feeling the vibe you're putting down my friend and, and well said indeed. And, and, and I have, I got to admit to, I've, I have, I've overlooked and haven't dug into the myths and fables and dark legends. And it's kind of why I asked, the question, it was a reflection right back at me. Of why haven't I, why don't I, I see those books and go, ah, non-essential reading for me as a star Wars fan, even for doing a podcast. Like, ah, I, I don't know. Uh, but this one's making me kind of perk up a bit because number one life day is, it, it's a fun reference and it's so out in the open now, but life day and the Christmas special was that thing back that it was like, have you, did you know, did you ever see? And if you weren't like, if you were like me and you don't have no memory of it airing on CBS, <laughs> you know, in like 88, 89, it was like, wait, what? They had a Christmas special on TV. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, and life day and Carrie Fisher saying a life day. So what are you, what are you talking about? So from a little secret handshake of a reference to it's known now and it's thing, we just had the Lego holiday special, which you know is great. And, those things. This is a great example of taking something. Even uh, you know, Kevin Scott is uh, obsessed with Jackson, the 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 bunny, who has been uh, for years. I just even on Jedi Alliance, would be like that stupid bunny. Like get that <laughs> bunny out of here. It represents a part, an era of Star Wars that silly and over the top. For him to take it and be like, no, no, I like it, and we're going to dig into what you might think is silly, and maybe on some levels is silly, but we're going to try to give it some weight. And it doesn't change Star Wars. It's not, you know, Jackson isn't on the posters for the next movie. Don't, don't worry. 
it's part of it. It's part of what we celebrate. I'm talking about Rick McCallum and his gum. That's part of what we celebrate. Life Day is that. And so now I'm looking at this book and going, wow, for them to approach it with a little bit of a wink, a little bit of a nudge, but a lot of heart, and to actually just kind of slowly take that that weird thing, you know, that, hey, Horatio Sands mentions it on Mandalorian and, you know, 39 YouTube videos pop up of the reference, as it should. I, I love those videos, too. But you know what I mean, Joseph? Like there's now there's there's some great depth to this in the story and it all becomes part of Star Wars to me. And Life Day isn't something that you have to snicker at now. Uh, there's things to snicker at in that special, but it's it's a concept that's real and now has weight and merit. And I and if they can explore more of that through the lens of folklore in Star Wars, then I've number one missed the boat and it's never too late to get on it. And I'm going to jump in and, and see where this one takes me. Well, I will give you a well said, sir. Very, very well said. Uh, and I love the idea that it's called Life Day Treasury, right? Uh, but that is that just the the way to bring fans into it because fans know that Life Day is the Star Wars holiday. But are there going to be a bunch of different, you know, actual holidays invented so we can kind of expand beyond Life Day? Yeah. It's really interesting to me. And yeah, I mean, when you when you say it that way, comparing kind of the evolution of Jackson to Life Day, you know, you're, I think you're saying great things about Star Wars and great things about capturing a, a holiday spirit, that it's a mixture of uh, whimsy and heart. And then also like that reality of truly wrestling with a dark time, you know, uh, it, you know, for a lot of us, you know, living in Minnesota, it, it was, it was real. You needed something to celebrate in the middle <laughs> of the winter. Uh, and, you know, that's a part of of Christmas stories too. They even mention like, well, you know, we might have some ghost ones because that's a you know a spooky fireside ghost story is a part of this uh, uh midwinter holiday tradition. So it seems like there's just a lot of potential going on in this story. And the other thing uh, that I'm really interested in, a common joke about Star Wars is, do any of the planets have a season? Since many of the planets just kind of are a season, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that what is a what is spring on like on Hoth? Probably not that much different. But you know, if there you like getting to see Endor with snow on it is like wow, that's cool. That that Star Wars planet has a season. Yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Kevin, that, that Kevin's not going. Hey, what about we see Ewoks in the snow? It's like yes, yes. How about we see that? That makes sense. <laughs> how about we? How about yeah. you give me that poster? I'll put it up on my wall right now. And look, I grew up near the beach. It did get cold. It actually gets really cold uh, near my hometown. But most Christmases, I had to decide which shorts I was going to wear. So you and I had a very <laughs> different Christmas. Very much indeed. So Life Day Treasury will be out September 7th, as it's scheduled right now. Stay tuned for that. But uh, we'll uh, we'll dive into it here on Forsetter. And we'll see where Ken's journey with folklore takes him here in Star Wars. Final story of the day. We got another book, another little, uh, little piece, a little excerpt for the book. Alphabet, 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 Alphabet Squadron Victories Price. Uh, I went back to being seven. Alphabet. Um, this is uh, the new, uh, the third and final book in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy by Alexander Freed coming out March uh, 2nd. Wow, right around the corner. Can you believe it? So, uh, Joseph, we took a uh, peek through it. Uh, we got a lot of Will Lark. Uh, here we got uh, Erica Quill is uh, back flying a TIE fighter. A lot of things going on here. What would you think about this one here? 
Yeah, I I enjoyed the excerpt. Uh, I'm all on board about Wild Lark uh, being prominent. He's one of my favorite characters. I like all the characters. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to uh, finish this up because I've enjoyed uh, the first and the second book. But this is they they really are written like a trilogy, and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed like I said I've enjoyed both books. But this last one will really tie everything together. And I think it will cause me to see the first two books in a different light because the story truly isn't complete. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that, because this series, I want to talk a little bit about um, our expectations for the series going in and, and have, have, have they been exceeded? Have we been challenged as Star Wars fans? And there's something in the Alphabet Squadron book series that for me i was a little challenged on and, and alexander Fried's a great writer the rogue one novelization is one of my favorite star wars books he gets very detailed he's great at writing combat great at those little little uh, you know i was say about the you know the cockpits uh, the temperature of the cockpits of an x-wing like i never thought about that he has so i love all that stuff very intriguing characters very layered beats and very layered decisions and pasts and uh, a good t- uh, some good tasty mysteries still yet to be explained and and just really the the boots on the ground or the uh, helmets in the air, however you want to see it, type of approach. <laughs> I, I was all for that, but he it, it, it's at times it's, it's thick in the sense of just like uh, you know. I remember the last one, I you know a lot going on in life, and I was like, this is four hundred plus pages of of musings, <laughs> dark musings and war. And do I want that? And that's challenged me. And I think what you're saying, I'm I, I'm excited to rise to that challenge as a fan and see this story. And see the story, uh, Freed and and, and uh, everyone there at Star Wars is trying to tell during this time with the war not quite won, the Empire not quite gone, and where are your legions and who are you now? And, uh, you know, uh, will you say while well, I say will, and uh, it's probably will who? Um, <laughs> um, to see it's Mr. Mark Stellan. It's, it's, it's spelled W-Y-L, but it's pronounced uh, Stellan, I'm sure. Uh, Star Wars names. To see how, you know, where he comes from home and about a lot of those big questions. And I'm excited to see it completed more than I maybe would have thought. Uh, and I like the other books, don't get me wrong, but they are different style of Star Wars story. And that's uh, been a challenge for me at times, but I'm excited to see it come to the end. And like I said, uh, just see, be able to look back and see all the parts of the story as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think these, I really love these books. I, like I've said before, I didn't read uh, any of the big X-Wing uh, books back in the day in Legends, so I didn't have that connection. Um, I really liked uh, Alexander Freed's uh, uh, Rogue One novelization, so I was excited. And I think I think the books are phenomenal. I think he's great at making you feel uh, what the characters are going through. I think he created, he crafted, you know, a bunch of brand new characters. This is mostly new characters. I mean, you got Hera and a couple other uh, fun characters popping up here and there, but this is mostly brand new characters and every single character is compelling. So I think I really enjoy the books, but I've also got to be honest just about like the life challenge of they are longer. And then they also have that thing of because he's tracking multiple fascinating characters. They do the jump, Oh, I just got invested in Nash's story. And now we're jumping over to Erica's uh, perspective that that can make it a little bit harder for me. But I think that's because of where I am in in my life. And like this last summer when uh, then when the last one came out, you and I said, I think a, a pretty aggressive day of when we're going to review them. 
And yeah. like, uh, my wife is just fine now, but there was a medical emergency and it was just like, I got to finish this book and there's life stuff going on. And it, <laughs> and it did affect, uh, my reaction to it. Yeah. But I think my honest reaction, if I, when I think about the books is just, um, real enjoyment and admiration, even though sometimes it's been a race to finish them. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, and, and maybe one day revisit there as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That. And just for like what they are, like I didn't know what to expect. Like Alphabet Squadron, when it was announced, it was like, okay, well, that sounds like uh, I think everybody had the, a little bit of that. I think we joked about like, I bet these are going to be deep, but it's it sounds almost like a gimmick of like it's yeah. got all the ships elf letters you like. Um, right, right. And it's so not that. I I think what's powerful about it and what I'm interested to see the story revol- resolve is what a great way to talk about the imperial path to redemption. You know, it starts with the New Republic trying to be, you know, uh, not not focus on vengeance, right? Of like, yeah, we've got uh, prisoners of war, and we're trying to decide who can, who who is who has valuable information, uh, who is an absolute loyalist and needs to be imprisoned, uh, who can be, you know, who didn't really want to be involved or is honestly sorry and is can be brought back into our new society, and I think Erica really represents that. And I'm so curious to see how that story of how do you bring people from the empire back into our, our mm-hmm. new, less vengeful society going forward, I think is a great story. I think seeing all these um, pilots who are all in on the rebellion, but for all sorts of reasons, would really be happy to be done with war now is yeah. a great window into that perspective. And the final thing that I've really loved that I'm curious to see how much emphasis it gets is each book there's been even though this is pilots, this is great war writing, as you always say, with exactly how uh, damp their flight suits are <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, what part of their body they just hit on the uh, canopy of their cockpit. It's all great, real, visceral pilot stuff. But there are just constant reminders in this that they live in a strange, weird galaxy full of uh, exotic aliens and unexplainable phenomenon and, in particular, strange uh arcane force things and i i really love that i love my pilot stories but i don't i always want Star Wars to stay kind of close to remember even if it's a smuggler or crime lord the force surrounds everything that's the story of this galaxy and even even characters who aren't like of course i'm a jedi are still going to be affected by that and i love that this book series does that yeah, Eric Quell's, uh, I think, a very intriguing character. Um, this whole book series, I always say, it kind of reminds me of season three of Battlestar Galactica, which was when the story got a little darker and analyzed a lot of things about what the war was about or what the, you know, what everyone's doing. So uh, I think that's important stuff for Star Wars. And uh, I'm, I'm there. We'll, we'll cover it here, without a doubt, on Force Center. Victory's Prize coming out in March. Uh, we are uh, going to take a quick break here. On the other side, we're going to take your questions. Before we do, though, we have our Force Center recommends. Speaking of books, uh, Joseph, what do we have this week? That's right. We are going to be discussing this book. It is one of the new High Republic books. It's A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. Uh, about halfway through, really enjoying it, and we're going to discuss it soon. See how much we discuss Star Wars books. So, uh, yeah, that's our recommendation, Ken. A Test of Courage. A test of courage indeed. Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center again. That's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break. And the other side, your questions here on Force Center. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. All right, we are back here on Force Center, and as we always love to do, we love to take your questions. Joseph, uh, what do we got today? Yeah, got some good ones from Twitter and our wonderful patrons on Patreon. We're going to start with our wonderful listeners on Twitter. Uh, Mark Shagnon, uh, I apologize. I don't know. Uh, much like Stellan Gios or Gios, uh, not entirely sure on the correct pronunciation of that name. So I took my best run. Thank you, Mark, for sending in this question. Here's what Mark has to say. According to legend, the Beatles wanted to star in a Lord of the Rings movie. George Lucas obviously has a deep appreciation for music. So if he had decided to cast a famous band musician in Star Wars, who would you choose and why? Uh, Ken, first, I just got to ask you, are you uh, familiar with this uh, this legend of uh, the Beatles uh, starring, you know, piling into one big suit and <laughs> and all getting together to play Bilbo? Yes, yes. This this is uh, uh, true as far as we know it. Uh, you know, I, I am a big fan of Hard Day's Night. And actually, I really do love Help, even though it's... Uh, it's a trip. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is uh, that's a great pull, Mark. Um, who I think we were all spared from that version. <laughs> but uh, a great thing here. Yeah, George does love me. It does love uh, music. What was it? NSYNC or Backstreet Boys are supposed to be in the prequels, right? Was that was that that was oh, the old? Yes, thing? Yeah. I, I, I believe I remember hearing this rumor. Yes. Yes, but that's the thing about rumors back in that day. You just didn't know. Some forum on the internet, on the World Wide Web, uh, told you something, and you either believed it or didn't. So this is a great question here. Um, uh, who do you got? And, uh, you know, I was thinking, of, how, do you, uh, how, how did you take this question, as back in the day or now? You know, I went through all of the times that Lucas could have potentially uh, cast a famous uh, musician or, you know, yeah. uh, or, or a band. Uh, and I thought about original trilogy and I had some thoughts for original trilogy, but then my mind just went to the prequels because mm-hmm. I think, you know, Lucas obviously kind of has developed his relationship with the music in star Wars and, in uh, you know, different kind of at the time, surprising castings, uh, casting choices for the prequels. Uh, you know, it, it is fun to remember like so many of us, are like Samuel Jackson. Yeah, of course. He's Mace Windu. But back then, when he was announced, it was just the only way we can process this is, oh, uh, he's going to be the swearing Jedi because we know him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> From Tarantino movies and crime movies where he swears or he's going to, you know, it's, he's, it's going to be Jurassic Park guy. The Jedi is going to say, hold on to your butts with the force. <laughs> uh, so my mind went to the prequels and here's where it went, Ken. Yeah. Okay. I would be happy if there were an alternative reality where David Bowie was on the Jedi Council. Oh, that's... Wow, you remind me of a man. What man? Man with the power. What <laughs> power of who to who to you? That's great. Yeah, I le- I'm a big fan of David Bowie, uh, and I, I'm fascinated by his career of sort of 
dabbling in acting and uh, performance. He is in one scene, basically, in uh, the Twin Peaks movie, uh, Fire Walk With Me, but it's this incredibly strange, uh, strangely pivotal scene to the bizarre mythos of Twin Peaks. Uh, and just, I was trying to think of, because your mind goes to, like, things that seem really dated, right? Like, if NSYNC uh, was at the pod race, right? That would have been, like, just shockingly dated, right? Yeah. And I kind of like when Star Wars is timeless, and David Bowie, you know, through his career has kind of had that vibe of like, well, I kind of transform and I'm sort of, you know, his, he's had plenty of music about being an alien. There's something kind of timeless and classic about David Bowie. So if David Bowie was just like sitting there next to Samuel Jackson was like, right. I don't know, Qui-Gon might be onto something. Yeah. <laughs> that would really work for me. Uh, really would too. And, and you know, he's got, yeah, I said, Mammy, you, you remind me of the babe. What babe, babe, the power. Uh, love Labyrinth, um, as weird as it is. I also love him as uh, Tesla in uh, was his Prestige. In Bowie yeah. was really good. I could see him uh, right next to Mason Chietti Mundy. Like, I don't even know if you need, um, do you need the Ziggy Stardust look makeup? I don't know. Maybe you do. Or maybe just need David Bowie. <laughs> no, I think you need him just looking sharp just like adding so much yeah. style and fashion uh to the standard jedi robes you believe you're the chosen one yes <laughs> yeah so that's that's what i got and then of course we would be treated to endless endless like comic books and novelizations about the david bowie jedi come on be great uh yeah, yeah who do you a, have uh put a weird apostrophe bowie like a b apostrophe <laughs> Jedi Master Bowie. Um, all right. So, I, I yeah, I took it in, I took this in different directions. I do have one that's up the air. Actually, two. One's going to slide over and be up the air. One, I, I just couldn't help to, like, think now. Like, I guess if George came back and, like, was casting mm. So, that is Tom Waits. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, what is the uh, what is the Coen Brothers Western anthology? Uh, they just uh, not too long ago on Netflix. Um, right, God. I'm spacing oh, the, the name of it right uh, now. Pilot of uh, Buster Scruggs. Yes. So I really love that. I really love it. and and Waits. It's a lot of little stories and stuff in there, Western themed. And Waits is in there as a prospector. It's I just love it. Um, Waits is also great in one of my favorite little films, Mystery Men from 1999. Mr. Men's a very bizarre and wonderful film. Yeah, right. And, and he's uh, he's like the tech guy, the, the weird tech guy. So him is like a we always say bartender, but grizzled weirdo in in horse <laughs> at any point. At any point, prequels you could slide him in there. That's when uh, you know Mystery Men, Mystery Men was around that time, anyways. Uh, probably even back in the day, but I think even now, you know, Rogue Squadron, P Patty Jenkins, put Tom Waits. <laughs> he seems like such a great candidate for. Mandalorian or here's a Kenobi pitch that I think would be a little heartbreaking for both you and I Ken but you could see it of you know Kenobi has to sneak on to Coruscant he goes to Dexter's diner and then Tom Waits is there and he's like Dexter died uh, but I'm here <laughs> I'll sing you a song uh that's great I'm all for that one uh then I have uh, two more choices here real quick um this and this I was I was thinking present day because uh you you could um caster now but i i prequels um uh, uh, shirley manson uh lead singer of garbage mm. favorites of all time uh then back in the day at the at the peak of the garbage powers or even now where she has done some performing and acting uh in the last couple of years as a night sister or a night sister type Ooh. Uh, some sith the uh, dark side influence uh spike up the hair keep the accent make whether you know i'm not saying like mother Talzin or anything now or anything or even then but just like 
you know how they originally mole or, you know, they, there were some early designs of, uh, of like a female villain of dark side kind of villain. All right. Yeah. Give, give that role. There's a lot of great act actors to cast back then, but Shirley Manson, I would, I would take that. I, I, I would take that too. That's a great idea. And the final one, I went back to the original timeline here. And if George needed like a musician who was great, skilled, had a following, but also appeared on other things a lot. All right. And they're they're each generation. Tom Waits is one. Bowie at one point. This is a deep cut. Deep cut. I'm going Paul Williams. <laughs> Five foot two, singer songwriter. Uh, he did make a lot of acting appearances. He was on the Muppet Show a lot. He was on the Muppet Movie, I believe. That's how I discovered him. And he kind of there's a great documentary out there from 2011 called Paul Williams Still Alive, where the, the belief was that he was dead. And the documentary is about finding him and talk to him. And he's he's wonderful. He's open. He's honest. He's also grouchy and grumpy. He doesn't like any of it. Um, he's still going strong. Uh, and uh, I would uh, I could imagine him being like in the cantina, jizz wailing, or maybe he's Yoda. Maybe he's Yoda. Maybe <laughs> some bad low budget sequel because the first movie flopped. Paul Williams is the one giving Luke all the Jedi wisdom. I don't know. That's my choice. No, I think that is a very solid choice. And I'll throw in one more. I think uh, for modern uh, performers, if we had another scene in like a Crimson Dawn-like location where we have a uh, sort of spacified crooner, uh, mm -hmm. I would love to see Lady Gaga because uh, she is uh, she's a great uh, crooner type, uh, j great jazz singer, as well as all of her uh, pop uh, and kind of art house music. Uh, and we know that she is very, very good at wearing uh, bizarre space yeah. fantasy costumes because she just kind of does that. I love that. Tell me something, Jedi. Um, <laughs> I can do it. I can get behind that. She's great. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, there was a list of some of our favorite musicians who may or may not sometime appear in Star Wars. And if not, at least in our minds. Uh, we're going to move on to our next question. Uh, this comes from Lydia Wallace Ostmo. Uh, and Lydia uh, sent, uh, as we uh, are encouraged and are happy to get a little bit of uh, thoughts of her own to frame her question. We love understanding where people are coming from with their questions. So here we go. Lydia says, I'm curious about your thoughts on fan fiction. The idea of fan fiction has been with me since I was a small child before I even had a word for it. When I was younger, I'd draw and write Star Trek stories that lived so vividly in my imagination. Uh, sometimes my motivation, my motivations were to correct what I perceived as quote-unquote wrongs. For example, I sent a Star Trek Deep Space Nine spec script to Paramount when I was 13 years old, resurrecting a character whose death had seemed an injustice to me at the time. Spoiler alert, it was not selected, and rightfully so. Still, it gave me an outlet to do something about a story move I did not agree with, and I found it in some ways to be therapeutic. I've immersed myself in fanfic from many fandoms over the years. I'm currently in the grip of The Mandalorian, reading stories about what could happen looking ahead in Season 3 now that we have such a long drought ahead. I have found fanfic at times to help me see more sides of a story than I might have imagined before and give a new appreciation for the canon work it references. Have you ever interacted with fanfic in this way, whether it be through writing or reading the work of others? So a lot of great thoughts there and a great question. Uh, Ken, before we directly address Lydia's uh, question about our own explorations with uh, fanfic, I'm curious uh, what your takes are on her thoughts about fanfic, about how it can be therapeutic and how it can help you process 
something that you didn't like or in in as Lydia says maybe help you uh understand and ultimately appreciate something that you initially weren't sure about I think this this is a very wonderful, honest, uh, insightful, well written uh, question, uh, and I saw the first sentence here in the notes this morning. Uh, um, I'm curious about your thoughts on fan fiction. I went because uh, I've said some things. I've said some things, um, but this is uh, helps me understand present day or if you are now. Now um, we'll get into a, breaking down a little bit as 13 writing fan. Like I wrote Transformer comic books at 10. You know, <laughs> and fiction is very normal, very uh, healthy. I feel like I'm talking about the sex education. <laughs> uh, it's very normal, very healthy. Everyone does it. Fan fiction. Um, it's and it's very powerful to to stoke uh, the 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 creative uh, part of your your soul if that's something you want to pursue. So that's a different part of this. As far as what she's saying about seeing uh, other things and other sides and analyzing and having a new appreciation for canon, I. I think that's uh, it's just wonderful. I, there's nothing in me that uh, disagrees with that. Nothing in me that's going to take that away from Lydia or anyone. Uh, you know, I've had great conversations with our pal Kevin Smets. A lot of you know Kevin, uh, and he's behind a lot of great uh, Revan and Old Republic fan fiction, or taking the video game cutscenes and make them into wonderful films. And he and I have had discussions because he came up to me one day. He was like, I, I, heard, "I heard you don't really like fan fiction." I was like, "I, I am here to support you, sir." <laughs> um, I have some thoughts on it, but. It doesn't, the thoughts I have go out almost outside of the actual fan fiction themselves. And I think anything from Star Wars or anything that inspires you to want to be involved in the storytelling or want to know more or want to look at it and analyze it a little bit more, I think that's great. I think it's powerful and uh, that's a great place to start. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'm in full agreement uh, with your perspective uh, with uh, Lydia's uh, great life adventure here. Uh, my wife and I are rewatching Deep Space Nine, uh, kind of watching, kind of rewatching, uh, because I it's always been one of my favorite uh, Star Trek shows. Uh, it probably is my favorite Star Trek show, uh, but I watched the first of five seasons and then because of life stuff, missed it and never saw the ending the last two seasons. My wife's never seen it uh, in if it is the death that I'm thinking of, my wife and I just went through this as this question with uh, from Lydia was coming in of like, we just experienced this. Mm. And I understand Lydia's desire uh, to write in. It's a hard one. It's a challenging one. So I wanted to uh, share that we had just been through that. If it is indeed the same one that I'm thinking of, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. Um, but I love, I just really love what the way Lydia is describing it. Um, I've, I've definitely talked to people about fanfic. I've done a couple episodes on my podcast, Obsessed About It, so it's helped me to get a better understanding of it. Obviously, just being in the Star Wars community on just online and just seeing people are discussing something and that will very quickly go into, well, uh, there's a group of people who feel strongly about this part of Star Wars, so they've developed a community who are writing this kind of fan fiction. And obviously, it's a big, important, thriving part of the community. I think for me... You were saying this. I think it's uh, how I'm reading some of what Lydia is saying, and my apologies if I'm misinterpreting. I love the idea of fan fiction as a way to help you move through something you're upset about. Mm -hmm. The only time I ever get upset about fanfic is when it would stop at this is the way it should have been, mm -hmm. um, which everybody has an absolute right to that opinion of Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there'll always be little choices in Star Wars where like, yeah, no, it would have been great if it was this. I, I feel that. But the only time it ever makes me nervous is, or concerned is when fanfic can cause you to stay in the anger, to mm -hmm. stay in the place of, this is the way it should have been. 
um, like with the great example of of Kevin's uh, Darth Revan videos. I'll watch them. I'll enjoy those. It's great to say like, Ooh, this would be a cool thing. I'd like to see it. I would personally bristle if somebody was like, they, we should have got Darth Revan instead mm-hmm. of Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. Right. Because then it's, that's to me about staying in a place of anger and not moving to a place of acceptance of saying, if this bothered me, I can work through it or even express that I would have liked it to go better this way enjoy that fan fiction, enjoy that reality that you've created, but then hopefully also just, you know, get uh, to that sort of Star Wars moral of of letting go and saying, now that I've processed that I don't like this part, I can just go back and kind of accept it, even if it's never my favorite, you know? Yeah. So I really like the idea of fanfic that helps you process anger, but not live in anger. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 right where I'm at. Uh, I think I think no secret if, if anyone's listened uh, to me anywhere talking Star Wars, um, I, you know, we'll use the example of our pal Kevin, who is such a good-hearted, good-intentioned Star Wars fan who just loves that era, loves those games, and you, you you scroll down in the comments, and you know, without fail, someone will be in there like so much better than Disney, which Kevin wouldn't tell you that's the case, and Kevin would tell you that's not why I made these. Um, so that's not his on. That's not on him. Um, I, 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 but it's in the last five years, maybe the last two, three years, it is, it's just my, my defensive defenses go up. I just can't deny that. I can't deny it. Even, even if uh, there's some stuff recently of, Hey, we did uh, Luke Skywalker Mandalorian better. You probably did, <laughs> but you also don't understand. Maybe there were some union rules and how much of the actor's face has to be there. And how I did it. You don't know. You're not part of it. You're not part of the process. To sit in your corner and watch or like it. And that's where I get real grumpy. Um, I get really upset. And the other thing I'll say this, this is my experience of, of 25 plus years of mostly failing in, in, in the business out here. Um, I've had conversations with fans. Like if you could go make, um, you know, uh, a, a wicked fan film and you could make it so good that you could get a directing job from it, or you could get another project greenlit, or you could be brought into a writer's room. That stuff does happen. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Um, I think, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, there, oh, uh, John Watts, uh, I think, uh, who directed Spider-Man, I, you know, uh, he made like a parody, not a parody, but just like a horror film called Clown, like a trailer. And jokingly said it was produced by Eli Roth, and it got to Eli Roth. Next thing you know, boom, Eli Roth brings him in. For me, right? <laughs> it doesn't always happen. So out here, I have had conversation with someone with a lot of people. If you're going to raise money, you're going to get the gear, you're going to take the time, do something original. And that's where I get a little stickler on it. And it's not what Lydia is talking about. And that's why I, I just want to make clear. But that's where a lot of my answers, Joseph, get a little grumpy of you're going to do all this and you're going to do a Kickstarter and you're going to go into the desert and shoot um, your version of an Obi-Wan movie. Great. Why do that? Go forward, create, create new IP, create your own thing. And then maybe you can get a job, maybe do Star Wars, maybe do something else. And that's where a lot of mine comes from. It doesn't even factor into what Lydia is asking. Because what Lydia is talking about, again, I said, I, I got it. I wrote Transformer comics. Not good. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not an artist. My dad is. I didn't get that side of the skills. Um, that inspires you and moves you forward. You know, I wanted to write episode seven in my head too. And I think it's a great starting point, but I am a stickler for when you're out here or you're in the business that got you here. 
Now you got to get yourself elsewhere. Writing spec scripts or something, or you're a Batman fan and you write a Batman comic, uh, hopefully, hoping Mar- you know DC buys it. I almost said Marvel, and they would have. You see, you know that's that's different than um, I'm going to raise a lot of capital to go make uh, my own Count Dooku movie. <laughs> like uh, that's where I run a brick wall. I'm going to end my rant because I just sound like a jerk. Sound like a jerk. But but I get that a lot of. I, I, I think I want to make a. I had some. I had some friends. They made a high-profile Batgirl show, and I kept saying the whole time, "Why are you doing this? You can't go anywhere with this." And it got shut down by Warner Brothers after one episode. After they put time and money into it, I was like, "Make your own thing." Eventually, they did. <clears throat> doing a lot better. <laughs> so um, that's my thoughts on it. But what Lydia's saying, I think it's great. It fosters creativity and it fosters love and passion for Star Wars, and I'm all about that. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. There's you're, a you're choking it, on my own, on, on my bile, and I understand. I'm choking on your words. What a weird sensation. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. This is always a topic that I want to have the utmost sensitivity about because I know fan fiction is its communities, and mm-hmm. it is. Uh, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it is uh, first explorations of creativity. Sometimes it is it truly helping people work through things. I know you know. There's a lot of Raylo fan fiction that is incredibly important to people, and I have the utmost uh, respect for that. So I always want to be really respectful about the way I talk about it, and. and and one thing I think that I have been coming to a lot of of how to best express the way I feel, I think anybody can have any opinion about Star Wars or anything else they want. And I think it's fine if you think a certain movie is really bad and the writers really took a left turn when they should have took, taken a, a right turn. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. I think what I always come down to is I just don't want it expressed with anger because mm-hmm. it's just, to me, you know, kind of antithetical to to Star Wars, you know? Uh, so I think that that's where I'm coming from. Like, if you don't like the way the, uh, you know, Ray and Kylo's story went and, and you get joy from processing it by writing fan fiction, that's mm-hmm. utterly fine with me. Um, so I want to clarify my, my own opinions on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then what you're saying is, is that's really great to kind of separate that out. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there is a, there's a difference between, uh, look, I have a great job. I'm I'm a lawyer, <laughs> yes, but I'm also yes. a big Star Wars fan, and it really bummed me out. And this is something I uh, a, a choice bummed me out, and I write fan fiction about it, and I find catharsis and I find community great. Yep. Uh, and then there, yeah, there is the like I want to work in the industry mm-hmm. that you're talking about, and that's really a, a fascinating and and fine line to me. Um, I know I've mentioned this before on the show, but a, a thing that has always really affected me is. Many years ago at uh, Convergence, the, the convention that I've long uh, performed at in my hometown of uh, Minneapolis, um, Marv Wolfman, a comic book writer, uh, wrote New Teen Titans, super big comic book uh, to me, wrote the original comic book of Crisis on Infinite Earths. He had a cameo uh, when the CW shows did their own Crisis on Infinite Earths. It, great, great uh, person. Went to a panel of his just kind of about your career. And one of the things he said that this was probably about 10 years ago now. It just blew me away. Somebody asked him about like what changed in the industry. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all these writers keep, these young writers keep calling me up and telling me their, their big plans for what they're going to do with a character I created or a, a take on a storyline that I wrote. And they, they kind of want my blessing. And he's like, I don't know what the hell to make of that. You know why I started writing comics is because I would read about Green Lantern and go, I don't want him to do that. I think Green Lantern should do this. <laughs> so I started writing those stories and I became a professional. 
Uh, and I always think about that because it's this perspective of on genre writing of like, or franchise IP writing of how do you balance that desire to be like, there's so many ideas in the sandbox of star Wars or superheroes. And I want to go play in that sandbox with that instinct to create new things. Yeah. Whether it is in that sandbox or as you're suggesting entirely out of that sandbox. Um, And certainly, you know, I think people like George Lucas would probably say I'm inferring from some of his convention comments of, you like Star Wars? Great. You should go make up a galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just on a notepad. Uh, on a notepad. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, and I say that as somebody who does make up their own things, it would be happy to play in the sandbox of Star Wars. But it is a really complicated, mm-hmm. uh, a complicated uh, idea of how to best be inspired by the things you love. Yeah, yeah. I Yeah. I uh, And again, it's... All you know, the the lawyer, you know, a lawyer on the weekend wants to take some money and, and make a Darth Maul film. Uh, more power to him. It's not his fault if someone says this is better than Disney or you know. And by the way, that's their opinion, right? Like you keep saying, and, and I keep supporting and trying to. Yeah, but it's just this. I I feel like any because I, I sometimes you know either legends or fan fiction or things I get a reputation of not liking. Number one, I say that, <laughs> so it comes from me saying it. Two, a lot of times when you're on YouTube based shows. Uh, that stuff gets gets spin way out of your control, which is why I like the podcast form better. So I just felt I want to explain it. I'm really supportive of what, what Lydia is talking about and understand that side of it. The rest of it, you want to get in the business, kid? There's 59 ways. Let me tell you about the 58 I've done that have failed. <laughs> uh, yes, and some good. You, you've observed some good life lessons and uh, absorbed personally some good life lessons. Uh, this, this was so interesting. I wanted to be able to kind of talk about it from a few different perspectives, but I also want to make sure that we clearly answer Lydia's actual question to us, yeah, which how, it is about how, no, no, this is me. I wanted to have that whole conversation first. Um, mm-hmm. How have we interacted with fanfic? What have you, I know you've talked about before writing episode seven in your head, maybe on paper, like back when you were a kid, how else have, do you think you've embraced star Wars through fan fiction? Um, have I bra- embraced Star Wars through fan fiction? I, I, um, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm not, I'm not making a joke. I honestly don't know if I have. <laughs> Sorry. Did you, did you actually start to, I know you've talked about coming up with ideas for episode seven when you were a kid. Did you ever start writing them down or was that just like in your mind? In my mind and on the playgrounds and in the toys out there on the sand dunes. You know, I mentioned, like, I, I, I joked uh, a lot of people in the in even Discord are like, release Caden's spec script. I started to write a, a you know, the, 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 uh, a new Star Wars in 2010 or 11, thinking, oh, a spec script um, will work. That's different within the frames of the industry, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mean that negatively. I just fairly fan edits. Um, Prequel fan edits. Did you have you can have you seen that fan edit? No, I don't. I'm not here for that. I'm here for what's on screen, and that's been from the beginning. So I'm not being. I try, I'm not trying to be negative. Uh, I just I haven't really interacted with it. I see yeah. it. I don't go to it. I don't. Yeah, I don't read a, a ton, and some of that is time. Mm-hmm. You know, I I am always curious, uh, yeah. and I, you know, I've watched a couple fan films. Um, I I'm never it is never a big enticement if it is presented to me is here's the fan film that fixes something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, even because- positive, even the ones that are like, Hey, just want to like, like, nah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I, I yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably because for my own self, I've been through my own sort of fan fiction, uh, 
adventure. I don't think I've, uh, um, with the exception of that Kenobi uh, stage show that I worked on that I've mentioned a couple times. Um, but that, to me, that wasn't really fan fiction. It was just trying to take what existed in canon and mm. connect all the dots. And yeah. I think right now where we're at with uh, fan fiction is, you know, um, all of Star Wars, <laughs> we've made this joke before, of kind of like all of Star Wars is uh, fan fiction. It's just some of it is uh, purchased by the company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it is not fan fiction anymore, uh, you know. Um, but for my own, like, Star Wars adventures, in particular what Lydia is describing of, like, uh, of making peace with it. When I was, uh, when, when the prequels first came out, and we've talked a lot about, you know, how our age has uh, affected, you know, wanting uh, the prequels to be more like the original trilogy and all that. Um, I had I never wrote it down, but I had many joyful hours thinking mm. wh what would I tweak and how and why and certain scenes that I think like, oh, if you just did that. And even with even with the modern films that I like, there are some scenes that I when I think about it, realize I fan fiction in my head of, I love this scene in rise of Skywalker, but if they had added these two lines, I'd like it even more yeah. uh, kind of thing. And that is just writing fan fiction in my own head, but to go back to the prequels. Yeah. This is, this was one of my great uh, evolution moments in enjoying star Wars is, you know, realizing that I'd spent so many years thinking about, but the scene should have turned left there and having the epiphany that I didn't fully appreciate why the scene turned right. And when I let go of how I should change it, um, I, I, that's when I really grew to appreciate it even more. Mm -hmm. So for like my prequels, uh, I still have a couple little fan fiction scenes in my head of like, it would have been great to have that fleshed out or that line should have been there. Or this scene should have felt a little bit more like this. I still have those tastes as a fan, yeah. but letting go of any anger, letting go of any George Lucas screwed up. He doesn't get star Wars. Here's I know star Wars because I've been thinking about it and playing with action figures for 20 years. Here's the way it should have been. When I let the should have been go, mm. then I appreciated it more for what it is. Right there with you, and look, and, and fan, fan fiction, those terms, yeah, okay. Then that's how we've interacted. Yes, uh, I don't, I don't think Padme and Anakin should have spoken a dialogue, a word of dialogue before they kissed and went into the arena. Yeah, all those kind of things. I'm with you there on that. But then also the growth becomes that too. Um, um, you know, I still the Phantom Menace trailer is great. I still wonder what that movie is because it's looked gave me a different idea of what the story was. Letting go of the should have uh, uh, is is a powerful thing, and that's kind of where it all flows into to me. And again. I think we are forcing to retry extra careful to preface our negative thoughts with, with a comfort or a little bit of, uh, you know, insulating foam around it. So it doesn't hurt. It hits anybody. Cause there's, uh, if you're out there writing a story and keep doing it, keep doing creativity is, is the best. Um, so I don't mean to take that away from anybody, but yeah, to, to, uh, your point there, that's uh, kind of where it started to diverge for me. Once I unlocked, that part of my Star Wars love and brain of uh, I'm gonna see what George has for me here versus what I've got for him. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's it's weird to have been on this planet long enough to see those cycles. And I think we're going through that with uh, with the sequel trilogy now. And I think you know there'll always be parts of it that don't connect for certain people. But we were kind of joking off air. I think I think in a very few years there will be articles of like critical reexamination of the sequel trilogy. And I think we'll go through kind of the same process we did with the prequel trilogy where there's 
there's a lot of um, lot of uh, upset uh, that will uh, perhaps fade over time. Uh, but Lydia, thank you for this great uh, question, this great story about your own life, and uh, just a great tribute to, I think, the power of fan fiction, uh, what is great about it. And clearly, Ken and I had a lot of feelings to work yeah. through. So thank you so much for that. We're going to move on to our next questions. Uh, these come from patrons on Patreon. First from David Cornett. Uh, David says, we have already seen the Imperial Troop Transporter make the leap from Kenner Toy to the screen, first in animation, then in live action. I'm sure you remember the Kenner mini rigs. They were a smaller uh, one or occasionally two person vehicles that didn't appear in the movies, but kind of looked like they could. Which ones would you like to see make the leap to the screen? Uh, Ken, we've talked about the mini rigs before. This was uh, Kenner uh, trying to uh, keep selling Star Wars products, but not make use all the plastic to make whole big vehicles, but smaller vehicles that could have been right off the edge of the screen. They did those for Empire. They did uh, some for Return of the Jedi as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on the mini rigs and which ones do you want to see, to David's question, in live action? I, I'm scrolling through these. Man, do I? You think you thought I had uh, fan fiction? Uh, these are like fan fiction toys, but they're from Kenner. Um, <laughs> quite frankly, I I love these. I'm a, I've, I've been obsessed with these because I remember them as a kid, obviously on the shelf, and there's like affordable vehicles. I, I want to get that. So I, I I I'm obsessed with them. I know they come up every now and then, and who knows, man? I bet Filoni's just itching to get these into. You know. <laughs> Season three, Amanda is going to have the the ISP six, which is the little mini one man shuttle uh, tight gear playing the class shuttle. Uh, I love I love the Endor Forest Ranger, uh, which sounds Ooh. like but it's a it's a ship, it's a vehicle that's just like a round. It almost looks like a prequel design for like the droid uh, the droid army little tanks on Kashyyyk that the ones that the the Wookies fling fling onto and uh, oh yeah. Those ones are good. I always was. I like the INT dash four, the CAP CAP dash two, which has Bosk in it, and it's got like pincher arms on its like little little robot arms, but on the back it's got like a pincher, and it's got a it's got a a rebel Hoth trooper captured in. <laughs> yeah, like, that one is that's one I think has the most viability because uh, yes. it is. The other ones are a little bit more straightforward. Uh, they're smaller combat or, or transportation vehicles. And this one just, this looks like something out of the Clone Wars, right? It, it has that great Star Wars design of, that looks cool, but not very functional. <laughs> yes. It's got the great, yeah, like you said, these great little gripping arms. So it looks like Bosk is just like, I got like uh, five bounties. So I'm just going to run down the street in this thing and grab people. Yes. And then, yeah, the way the, the rebel trooper is, it's like this one person prison cell that is just, it looks like the cell is just clamping their crotch into a piece of metal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something up for hanging from things. I would love to see the cap too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, oh man. Then also, by the way, if you guys do a, just a Google search, there was an old 2013 star Wars.com article by Tim, uh, Vekoven. That has just a ton of them, including the body rigs, which came in like 85, which are almost like those things you and I hate in the figures now where it's like, why does Poe have a, a, a glider on him? <laughs> yeah, glider blaster cannon arm. Yeah. yeah. Sand scammer. The desert sail skiff is a low key winner here, Joseph. It's basically a job of sail barge if, if it was a one man pod. Yeah. You know what, Ken? Can I can I reveal something? Yeah. Uh. You know, 
we always try to be positive. Here's something negative I can share. When I was a kid, I didn't mind the mini rigs like the Cap 2. I did not like the Desert Sail Skiff. It's, I mean, it's bad. It's not well, good. It, just, it made me feel like the other ones look like, oh, they're small vehicles that could be off to the side. But the ISP-6, which is basically just a small shuttle, and then the Desert Sail Skiff, were they just look goony to me because they were the smaller version mm. of the real thing. It just looked like oh, it yeah. looked like Boba couldn't afford a real skiff. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't make, you know, back in the day, a real uh, skiff. So they, they yeah. made me uh, very upset as a kid. Oh, this is a great article because this was, like I said, written in 2013 and it ends with, we may have not seen these um, mini rigs, body rigs, or the Imperial troop transport in the movies. And it's like, I'd like to do a follow-up with Tim now about how excited he was to see uh, Rebels and Mandalorian bring the troop transport to life. Yeah. Last thing for me from the body rigs, there's the uh, the one-person sand skimmer. And right. that's basically just, it's got a sail. But other than that, it's kind of a large segue. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so they, they successfully predicted the segue. They're the best. No, these are great. Uh, yeah, they're fun part of Star Wars again today. Talking about the, the Rick McCallum's chomping gum of the Star Wars world and those things that are just part of it, even they're not they're not actually in it. And this is a David. That's a that's a great question. Uh, so there you go. I'll take that mini uh, Lambda class shuttle in a, in Mando season three. Okay, we got a Lambda class shuttle in the Cap Two coming soon to Mandalorian season three. Uh, that's the fan fiction. All right, is Bosk in that Cap Two? <laughs> Mandalorian season three. Uh, great question. We're going to move on to our final question. It comes from Chris Lentz. Uh, Chris says, as I'm sure you're aware, lightsabers have a tendency to fall from great heights into the narrative unknown in Star Wars, sometimes with their wielders, sometimes without. I really, really enjoy playing the hypotheticals in my head, the what ifs of Star Wars. What if Luke does this instead of this? If Qui-Gon doesn't free Annie? So on. For some reason, I really like to think about the potential ramifications of Ray sensing something in Maz's castle, going downstairs, opening the box, and finding Vader's lightsaber. Could still see it calling to her, the darkness within the weapon matching the genetic darkness within her, craving almost like the one ring to be back in the hands of the dark side. The pull towards Kylo Ren could still be involved. Just a fun what-if in my mind. I think it has some comic-worthy elements. Thanks, dudes. May the force be with you. May the force be with you, Chris. And when Chris uh, uh, sent this in, he uh, he also let us know that uh, he uh, listens to Force Center, or, or rather, he he and his longtime friend Dale uh, listen both listen to Force Center, and then sometimes have some discussions, which is really really nice. So this was a question from both Chris, and we'll see what Dale thinks as well. So Ken, where do you go with this? Uh, we've talked a lot recently about you know, what ifs, even the possibility of a, of a what if animated show on Disney plus that it is not meant to be an alternate canon. It's just totally a surprise, you know, uh, this, this goes different than you thought. How, what the, what would the ramifications be? So, uh, if you, how are you feeling about the what if idea? Uh, and I love a good what if, even if they are kind of fan fiction, aren't they? Yeah. See, I'm backing, I'm backing off my own statements here. <laughs> no, I, so I, I do like this idea here. Um, I, I, I think Chris and his pal think I won't, but I, I actually do. Uh, I like what, now I like, I like Luke, the hero blade, um, being more in play, what that means for Kylo Ben. Um, uh, you put a great fine point on it, Joseph, of just like, he finally gets the blade. He wants all three movies when he deserves it, you know? Um, and that's for him, but there's something drinking the one ring thing of, of, of Ray, you know, that, that 
the dark side calling to her from the beginning and, and just knowing. And if anyone around her is like, you know, Oh, that's not good. That, that thing's calling for you. That's not good. You gotta, you gotta deal with that. I, I could get behind that. I, I, again, I still think the, the hero blade works a little better for me, but there's some intrigue because also I have a lot of just like, you know, when the acolytes uh, of the beyond showed up in, in the aftermath series and, and the idea of Vader's lightsaber being out there, there's uh, some intriguing stuff in that some intriguing story potential. So I actually don't, uh, I don't dislike this idea uh, at all. I like, uh, I like what's on the screen better for sure, but I think there's something intriguing about uh, just the going. Cause it does, it's one of the things I love about rise of Skywalker is the dark side's not just calling to you. you the dark side kind of feels you belong there, Ray. And, and what do you, what do you, what do you, how are you going to deal with that? Uh, something powerful in that. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I love the whole idea of what ifs. You're right. It has uh, basically, it, it is a form of uh, fan fiction. I think it is such a great way to explore. You know, I keep kind of comparing it turn left, turn right. It's a great way to explore. Like, yeah, we all know Star Wars turned right, but what if it turned left here is uh, a fun way to process these thoughts. And I think it can reveal, uh, different ideas right um mm-hmm. what's intriguing to me about this idea is like yeah I, I i love it the way it is in in the movie and would never think it should be anything different than what it is because the power of that blade but the things that it makes me think about is you know there's a power in the hero's blade that kyber crystal that's been used mostly for good but for some not great things as well mm-hmm. calling out to want to be in the hands of uh, of a Jedi with a, a good heart as Ray ultimately is in my opinion. Uh, but does a tortured Kyber crystal call out in the same way, you know, right. Right. Uh, knowing that that's how Vader's blade started as the Jedi's weapon. And then, you know, Vader imposed his will on it and broke the Kyber crystal, you know, is, is the Kyber crystal just like, good, <laughs> leave me alone. I was forced to do things i did not want to do you know yeah. getting to that level of sentience of kyber crystals is fascinating and you know what would a would a tortured kyber crystal call out to be used uh that had been turned that had been bled red or would it call out to be fixed yeah. save me save me save me it's so like you, you go there that's an interesting place to go with the yeah. uh what if for me um one thing in in chris's description that um is I have a different point of view on that I wanted to share than Chris. I, I like how Chris, uh, I think there is a, a, a valid uh, exploration of uh, elements of the dark side calling out to Ray because she is powerful. And uh, they, I think things that are truly of the dark side, you know, they want to be picked up and used. They want to be uh, uh, the instruments of uh, anger and revenge and power and sensing somebody like Ray who has the power to do that them calling out to her is really interesting the genetic darkness thing for me i I think this is just the thing that i've been thinking about a lot because there's still so much discussion of rise of skywalker i always think the genetic part of it with ray being a palpatine is to me in my reading of the film irrelevant Mm -hmm. the genetic part is what the bad guys are telling her of like your destiny is this because you have this blood and the truth is any to me in my opinion of the film that Mm -hmm any leaning toward darkness that Ray has is earned from having a really rough life and uh, being susceptible to uh, loneliness and anger and fear, uh, uh, fear of losing her friends, fear of hurting her friends and all those things. That anger is hers because of her life experience, not because she inherited it from Palpatine. 
which is an important perspective for me to share. But even in a what if like this that Chris is suggesting that you could explore something like that, you know, mm. yeah, some dark side thing ex- expecting her, you know, well, because you're a Palpatine, like in her being like, no, <laughs> yeah. that's not why I'm going to make my choices, much like we get in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in, in, in the, yeah, it's one of those things I think is uh, that one Kylo's seeing what you and I talk about of uh, he's just straight out, uh, not just lying to her, just giving her the, the dark side perspective of, oh, it's not your power, it's his power. So all that could factor into it. But um, yeah, uh, walking around with uh, maybe, sh- maybe it should have been both lightsabers. Lightsabers. <laughs> lightsabers. <laughs> Could have been a lightsaber duet calling out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every one of those rooms in Maz's basement has a different lightsaber in it. Yeah. That would be great. How'd you get these? Eh, it's for a Disney Plus series in another time. <laughs> those are different stories for different times. Speaking of different stories for different times, my final question for you, Ken, is what if, or in canon, do you want a story of Vader's blade? Because it, it could be argued that, you know, it's uh, it's maybe down there in the piles of junk, maybe at the bottom of the ocean on Kefbeer. Mm. I do. I do want that. And I want it to, to tie into to Luke some way, uh, getting along with it or dealing with it or, you know, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe he and Ahsoka find it in season two of Ahsoka. I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. And, and how it kind of, I I like because again the acolytes are beyond and it's just kind of this like this uh, you know a symbol of this evil creature they worshipped is pretty cool but to have Luke grab it bury it close that chapter whatever you want come to terms with things whatever I I I I could see some of that working for me oh you're right I forgot that that it is implied in aftermath implied yeah the acolytes of beyond are collecting Vader's blade right. You know, All right. Well, maybe the acolytes of Beyond put it back on Kefbeer. <laughs> right, right, right. But again, I wouldn't say, yeah, yeah, it's, it's implied. It's never confirmed. So, yeah. But if some of the uh, sort of the Mandalorian verse does uh, ever, or the Ahsoka show uh, ever explore uh, origins of First Order, that would be pretty interesting if there's some random cultist and like, hey, you've got Vader's blade. Yeah. 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 Great question. Great thought, Chris. Uh, thank you uh, for sharing that one, which uh, sends us off in all sorts of interesting uh, thought experiment directions. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, thanks, David, Lydia, and Mark. All great questions. Great questions indeed. And if you got a question for us, you can reach out on Twitter at Force Center Pod, like our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. We are on Instagram, Instagram, YouTube, as well. Podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center and support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Always happy to have new patrons jumping into the discord that you can access through the Patreon page. You can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kednapsock.com for more. Uh, what do you got, sir? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshot, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshot.com, for links to all sorts of things, uh, comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed, and uh, tickets to shows. I'm doing an online comedy variety show uh, with my friends, The Double Clicks, on Valentine's Day. There are tickets and info about that right on the front page of my website, josephscrimshot.com. Check it all out, my friends. Check it all out. Uh, We appreciate having you all around uh, these parts. So keep writing your fan fictions, and I'll keep collecting those memories. We'll see you next time here on Force.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.